when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is February 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio live from Lobby One, where we are trying to show you how to cook up summer in the winter, to quote Kanye West. Joining me, Danielle Riendo. Hi. Patrick Kleppick. Good to be here. Hello, hello. Hi. How's it, how's it going, everybody? It's great. I'm back from vacation. I was, like, sort of back Friday. We talked about Zelda, and then I just played three days of Zelda, which I'm not allowed to talk about, oh. sadly. That's oh. all I want to talk about. That and Get Out, which we can't I, talk about We can talk about Patrick. Get Out. Well, we can talk about Get Out a little <laughs> you, bit. I mean, you can talk about it in the end, and I'll get off the Skype call. <laughs> that's, that's a possibility. Let's talk about it broadly. I'd like... I, I, yeah. I just want to torture you, Patrick, because I know you're a big fan of horror film. Yeah, yeah. If there's anything I'm sensitive to spoilers on, it is it is horror films. So no spoilers, no spoilers. No spoilers. Here's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. I saw Get Out on a on a whim, which is like the sort of thing you can do when you're on a vacation. It's lovely. Uh, so I went to vacation. I went I went to vacation. You did. You which went is to like, vacation, <laughs> which is the name of where people go to vacation in like a dystopic future setting. Well, it's also uh, the state name of Maine is Vacation Land. Is it? Yeah. Do so they you understand? Can say I went to vacation and go to Maine. Do they understand that that's like where like. In some, like, brutal sci-fi film, that's where the old people go to die. I mean, it's also where every single Stephen King novel is set. True. So there you go. Maybe they do know. Um, you know. So I went I, I went to L.A. on vacation with some friends. Uh, a friend of mine was getting married. My friend Art Tebel. Shout outs to Art. Sorry, Art Martinez Tebel. Art Tebel Martinez. I get it, I'm getting it backwards. Just say other, all they, the versions of it and it, yeah. one of them Arthur will be Arthur Tebel Martinez <laughs> is a cast member on Friends of the Table. Good friend of mine. Awesome. Shout out to Art. He Congrats. got married. A beautiful ceremony great vows uh the 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 person who the officiant almost almost did the the groom's vows by him not the vows but the i he like almost married the bride in question it was very it was very close and while i was out there i was reminded that get out was coming because the ad campaign out there is fantastic for it in certain neighborhoods there are signs that say do you belong here and the next to it get out and then in other neighborhoods there are signs that say you don't belong here get out and it's the most striking film ad campaign i'd seen in a while um and so i was like oh right that's coming out soon i need to see that um and for people who aren't familiar uh, this is a film by uh, uh, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan is his first name. It's yeah. Jordan Peele. Uh, Jordan yeah, Peele. I, of, I, of I, Key I always Peele. think of Key and Peele as just Key and Peele, and then right, I have to wrong. Google search to figure out <laughs> yes. which one, which is one is which. Keegan Michael Key, and which one is Jordan Peele. Uh, it's his first Jordan film, Peele, too. Obviously, Key and Peele is a great comedy show. Keanu was a fantastic film. I think I've spoken before about watching Keanu uh, edited on a plane, which is a funny way oh, to watch even that movie. Better. Yeah. Um, and get out, and so I, I came back, and then on a whim, I saw Get Out uh, on Saturday with a friend, and I really loved that movie. We're not a movie podcast, but 
It's all right. I we, really loved we that. We loved movie. it. So uh, yeah, Danielle also saw it. We didn't. We didn't get to hang out and see it together. Sadly, sure. we just happened Sorry. to both see it over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and the setup for Get Out is a setup that I am intimately familiar with, which is. Uh, you have a uh, – the main character is a black photographer. I'm not intimate with that part. I'm black. <laughs> I'm not a photographer. Uh, who has a white girlfriend and who is going to meet her parents for the first ta- time upstate um, in New York and who is nervous about the fa- that fact and nervous about the fact that she has not told them that. Um, that is the premise. Uh, and just speaking from the trailers, things go horribly wrong um, in many different ways. Yeah. And – what results is a sort of very is the is the is the kind of representation of a sort of fear that I don't see represented in film ever, yeah. um, which was fantastic. What did you think about it, Danielle? Yeah, I absolutely loved it in every way, and uh, I my girlfriend is Latino, uh, mm-hmm. so not in any way exactly the same thing. But she said her immediate reaction to watching the movie was. This is what it's like to be in a room full of white people sometimes. Like, just a weird, right. eerie vibe sometimes of being the only person of color in a room. Yes. And it's, you know, at, at its broadest level. Uh, at work, which is Exactly, really exactly. Like, having to sort of speak for everybody of color, it, it, that sort of thing. And it's, it's incredible because it's a horror movie where the monster or the, the concept that is horrible is racism itself and specifically and i no spoiler whatsoever but there's a sort of fetishization at work there that i think is utterly brilliant you really need to see it patrick <laughs> yeah uh so for for me the thing that was so striking was so a couple of days before i bring i, I kind of framed this in the sense of the with the wedding up top um not because i was the only black person at the wedding i wasn't <laughs> sure. also also one of the members of the wedding party I, one of the, the bride has the last name of martinez is, is a person of sure. color is yeah. a woman of color but because during this this um wedding i got into a conversation with my friends who were the cast members and pr- production team on friends at the table my tabletop group um and we got into a conversation about why or about how we should do a horror game in the future as one of our big like tabletop seasons because there's some fantastic horror games in fact we started playing one called 10 candles in which you literally turn off all the lights in the house and and work you play around 10 candles and as each as each phase of the game goes on you blow a candle out that's good and as you do that the agency shifts from the players to the gm so the gm gets more and more control (laughs) it's so good patrick we need the next time you're in town we need to play 10 candles because it's i like that it's so good um but we were talking about how i was nervous about ever doing a, a tabletop horror game because I, I want the show to be a place where we do where we tackle things like things, capital T things, and not just a like a fun like goof around space inside of genre fiction. I like that to be a space where I get to talk about capitalism and other the othering and stuff like that. And so a horror game would have to be really scary about things I'm actually scared about, like getting lost in the woods in rural America or you know driving into predominantly white spaces where I don't feel necessarily super safe. And then so from going from that conversation to like seeing Get Out and seeing those fears, and not just the fears, but the ways in which those fears are dismissed as being irrational, represented so clearly was just like really um, inspiring to see someone just like, no, I'm just going to tell the story of this. Like, this is already a horror story before anyone gets hurt, before anyone's afraid, before anything, before anyone's, um, you know, uh, afraid in that, in that about violence or afraid about, it's, it's, it's scary to go into those spaces because you've lost your footing and you don't know what might happen next. Um, 
the first time I one of my first uh, partners was white, and when I went to to meet their parents, uh, their father who was who was a white uh, merchant marine, the first thing he said to me when we were alone in the house together was that he knew twenty different knots. He could tie twenty different knots, ah. which is one of those things that doesn't mean anything. But or, it means a lot. Right. But it means right. a lot. Yep. And it's like one of those things that's like Good also God. just dads. Dads and daughters, dads, like, yeah. of course, whatever. Yeah, that's, also like, a, that's a complicating fact. That's an X factor. Is it is. Definitely. But it's also – but also we drove past a plantation in Maryland on oh, the way God. to the house, right? So like – um, that, that everyone in the community like revered because it's like this beautiful estate. And it's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, and so yeah. to see a film like so accurately portray that stuff, which on its face is already really striking. It's like the first time I've been tense during a horror movie in a decade, right? Like I've not been – I like horror movies a lot, but I don't get like – invested in the way that I think some people do. Um, and I'm not, that's not a diss to those people at all. Like, I wish I still had that. Um, I, I have kind of like a, a fun genre aficionado removed from it. I'm like, oh, wow, how are they going to use that trope? Or how are they going to play sure. with this? And this is the first time that I've been like, okay, oh, please, please, <laughs> please. And like, that's a good feeling to have. So highly recommend it. I would say it's great to watch it in theaters as well. Like to have the communal viewing experience for this movie in particular because people were definitely cheering they were clapping, they were screaming it was like this incredible you know I think a lot of us watch movies you know at home now like have a nice little entertainment system kind of thing going on and this was like very much worth seeing this with a group of people who are into it and interested and want to be there and and invested. So $5 million budget that they did 30 million opening weekend. Oh man, that's great. Good on them. And also Bloomhouse, I'm this is like it's cool that they did this movie. Like if you're going to work in that and I think Patrick you can speak to this a little bit like in fact I I I would love your take on like the rise of Bloomhouse over the last 6 or 7 years. Yeah, but it's essentially starting with uh uh paranormal activity essentially would put uh, them on the map. What do you think about them and their style of cheap budget, low budget, ex- like almost sometimes experimental horror films? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a company that just throws everything at the wall and sees what sticks. Yeah. I mean, like, you'd be shocked, I think, if you looked and saw how many films they're behind and a part of. Um, and a lot of them fail and a lot of them do poorly, but they have the mind of rather make the movie and see where it goes. Um, right. And, like, yeah. I, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what, um, he does after Get Out because he said he's been encouraged. He's a big fan of horror films and right. uh, he wants to make more socially conscious thrillers is what how he put it. Um, and I, I think that would be – because, I mean, if you look at some of the horror films that have done you know really well in the last you know 18 months, like there's a socially conscious element to those films that allow them to rise out of genre fodder. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's – as someone that is a fan of the medium, it's always exciting for me when people who don't necessarily are, aren't are like me who are like going to the Netflix horror tab or iTunes tab <laughs> and just desperately yeah. hoping you'll find something new because yep. you've already wrung out the well so badly. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always nice when people can kind of like – who aren't uh, genre aficionados come over and uh, kind of like see what, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in. But, right. uh, you know, they get kind of exposed to because a game kind of breaks through the con- – like Split – did that um, or a movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in January as well. Was that also Bloomhouse? Was that them also? N- mm, yes. Uh, pretty much all of M. Night Shyamalan's films as part of his revival have been associated with uh, Bloomhouse. He was also wow. – uh, Bloomhouse also did The Visit, which was a, an exceptionally right. good uh, horror film from yes, uh, M. Night the, the year before. Um, right. And Split, you know, is – 
I think there are complicated questions to bring up about that film and how sure. it treats mental illness. Um, <laughs> but I, I, but it does try to bring in the conversation about mental illness into its core plot line, which I think gives it a certain social consciousness. Whether it gets it right or wrong is a separate uh, conversation. Sure. But uh, I don't think there's – uh, a coincidence that films like that are finding larger audiences. Um, and also Get Out is like, you know, there aren't many horror films that are explicitly tailored towards like the African-American community and like big shock that this movie, it was not yep. only is it good, but like big shock that there was like an audience that never gets any films, you know, yes. uh, uh, about them, uh, you know, finds an audience. This is like the interesting thing for me about, um, Horror is a genre, but also just B-movie, cheaper film, exploita- exploitation film that, like, when you look at the history of of cinema, there are these moments where people start making chill- f- films on the cheap, and by doing that, there's there's a, a bit of a freedom there yeah. to where you can start making films that target niche audiences, smaller demographics, and that in the process, often, or sometimes, when, when we're lucky allow marginalized creators to become involved as as creators and it's not ideal like the idea like the ideal is moonlight wins the oscar which hey <laughs> yes nice um and and that and that hollywood in general becomes blacker and browner and queerer and like we just get this great mix of the actual diversity of the world involved in in creative industries like and that's happening also but one of the nice things about seeing this come out of bloomhouse for me is like Yes, use the fact that you can make a five million dollar movie to allow to give it to someone who's going to do something wild with it and like go for it. Um, also, I'm hoping that it's on the model that a lot of their stuff is, which is that the people who sign up to do it don't necessarily get paid a lot, but but do get points on stuff or do get royalties if it does super well. Because uh, I know a lot that's how they convince some bigger name talent to to get involved with their projects. It's like, hey, listen, like. Jennifer Lopez, we're not going to pay you $10 million to be in this. We're not going to pay you $5 million. But if it does really well, like, you're going to get a percentage. In yeah, a way. If, you go, if you go look at their catalog, like, you'll find movies that you've never heard of that bombed and didn't – that did very poorly that have, like, huge stars in it because yeah. they make so many of them. They explicitly line out their schedule to fit in between, like, big films that stars are doing. And stars, like anyone else, like to work. And so, yeah. okay, I'm not going to make a lot of money on this, but I might make points on the back end. And these movies shoot for like three weeks and then they're right. done. And they're done. Yeah. It's the same yeah. way actually, weirdly, uh, Uva Boll is how he operated was huh. that he would, he would yeah, explicitly find actors that just wanted to do a job um, yeah. and that were clearly outside of his uh, cal- caliber of, of, <laughs> of films you'd usually associate with. But they just, you know, like, oh, sure, I'll show up for two and a half weeks and do a Right. Do a and knock thing. it out really quick. And that's I'll how you get Ben Kingsley you know? in, a, yeah. in a Uva Bowl film. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I, I don't know. I recommend the movie, like, incredibly highly. Uh, and, and, like, so you know, like, there are only a couple of jump scares. You should push yourself to go see it. If you're on the, if you're on the verge, if you know that, like, you can push yourself to go see a horror film, I'd say this is one of those times that you should do it. Yeah. Obviously, there are people who know themselves well enough to know, like, no, it's not for me, period. I get it. But yeah, it's, I would call it more, like, super disturbing than gory or right that. it's why the distinction in like itunes stuff exists between horror and thriller right. and i would say probably yeah. get out 
having not seen it strikes me as a movie that falls like thriller still means you, you can be on edge yeah. it might get you yes. but it's, it's it's like i think the ter- the term horror means something a little bit different than what the term thriller means to i, wish... I think this is a horror movie but it's it's maybe riding that line it's rides the line yeah. the I, maybe i'm just wrong cuz when i think of thriller there's an entire genre of like 90s like crime thrillers that come psycho- <laughs> the term like psychological <laughs> thriller sure. in my, is in my head of just like Samuel L. Jackson or Denzel Washington or someone in a suit and yep. like a long coat and they're tracking down like a serial killer who yep. collects bones or who is who know you know like it's it's There's, seven there was a movie the called collector. the bone collector I know in that's, that era that's what's, I, sure I, is. I, yeah, isn't I, Jennifer Lopez in it I, she, she might, might be, be. I, There's a good chance or was that Angelina Jolie I might have been I don't know but like that's <laughs> what's in my head or even more or the lovely bones or yeah. lots of bones, bones involved with psychological bone thrillers movies. bones and like young dead children Children yeah, or lots women. of dead so, kids, dead serial women, killers. bones. Um, you know, bones and boobs. Bones and boobs. Movies. You know. Welcome to our new podcast, Bones and Boobs. <laughs> bones and boobs. We talk about movies. <laughs> women in horror. There it is, bones and boobs. Women in horror. Anybody who has a podcast about hey, women Vice, in horror, there uh, you go. go. Tim, tell Motherboard I got a new podcast idea for them. <laughs> Actually, I'd be super down. I'd for be that. a really good I love podcast. Horror, so. We'll just make podcasts. I don't know. Make us podcast.vice.com. We'll <laughs> get we it go. done. We did it. Um, <laughs> No one can buy us podcast.vice.com, thankfully, because that's not how it works. Huh. Other than that, how has everything been going? I guess, like, speaking of horror, yeah. l- loosely, kind of, yeah. Night in the Woods. It's scary in the woods at night. It's, it's very scary in the woods at night. I hear There's a lot of existential horror in that there game, is. too. Have so. you both been playing it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I've played three or four hours i'm i don't okay. know like yeah that's five, about where i'm five at. days into the game or something yeah. like that I'm, I'm not sure exactly of the structure i played on the plane back from la so i got like three or four that's hours in also context play um, game brief yeah. d- disclosure scott benson who worked on the game is like friend of the site sort of kind of twitter, like a twitter dude, friend? I've, dude i've known yeah. on twitter for a long yeah. time twitter friend it's like close enough that while we think we could be fully objective maybe yeah. take our opinions with a grain of salt <laughs> yeah i like that dude's tweets uh, that's it. It's a good yeah. tweeter, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think so far? I love it. Tell me about it. What okay. is Night in the Woods? So it's a 2D story-based game. It's, uh, you know, largely uh, – it's largely like interactive fiction with a sort of animated platforming element to it. Right. But with other interactive elements. Mario Talk. Super Mario Talk. Super Mario Talk. Starring May, the kitten. The kitten. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's a point. <laughs> Everyone in this game is an animal. Yes. And also – it says the Disney thing. Everyone in this game is an animal wearing clothes. Yep. Oh, yeah, they, they, they also, call themselves people and act as though they are above other creatures. That's including true. cats. And there squirrels. Are, and squirrels. Like, there are just... Those animals are also in the world. It's like the BoJack <laughs> thing, where they did that episode yeah. uh, with the farm and the chickens. It's very strange. Oh. Uh, and so, so like, I guess give give people a setup on, on what so they're you're, doing. So you're May, you're a cat, uh, and you are a college sophomore who has just dropped out of college. You come home... And you're sort of back in your hometown. You're back with your parents. You're back with your old high school friends. It's been like a year, year and a half or something like that since you went away. And there's sort of a oh, there's sort of a backdrop of something went wrong. Something happened in May's past. And you're sort of digging at what that is. So there's, there's a darkness to it. And there's also definitely a lot of thematic stuff going on with like, this is a Rust Belt city. A lot of jobs have gone away. This is sort of a depressed town. So that's also 
Yeah, well, the thing, on. one of the things that's interesting to me about this game, one of the things that I think makes it stand out as a narrative about a 20-something who's returning home is that in my lifetime, the common – in my lifetime and in my, in my uh, you know, my limited view of the world, the stories that I've seen the most that match this are 20-something comes home, has grown up and left behind hometown, is stuck in hometown, is miserable about it, feels like hometown. And there's, there's some of the miseries there. Yes. But, but it tends to be like, ugh, I'm too big for this little place. I lived in the city or I went to school and now I'm stuck in my parents' place and this place is backwards. And the thing that I like in, about the first few hours so far about Night in the Woods is May comes home and has not grown up and everybody else has. Everybody yes. else, all of her old friends have gotten jobs. The people that she's known personally have moved on in life. They feel like adults. There's lots of like, yeah, you're still a kid. I'm an adult now. I'm dealing with adult stuff. You left and didn't grow up. Um, and obviously there's something happening there just in its own merit that's really good. But I also do like that as this interesting inversion of the kind of like city versus rural thing that happens yeah. in or in in media in general, or the idea that like going to college means growing up because right. it, it doesn't honestly means totally the opposite. Totally, of I mean, like, so, there was yeah. a, there was a sort of like an interesting take on the dignity of like service labor in this game. Yeah, that like no, it's totally chill to work at the pizza place. Like that's a job and that's a good job. You're like, making a, your money. You're paying might not your be rent. The, it might not be yeah. the best job in the world. It'd be great to be up more upwardly mobile, but like you're paying rent and like that's not a bad thing. Um, and I, I really am interested in that depiction of small town America That's, that at the same time is still like all the jobs are disappearing. So yeah. it's, it's still engaged with that question, but is also not dismissive of the people in that space. It's not looking down at people. Yeah, exactly. It feels it's like it could only down. have been written by someone who grew up there. Like it would, it would, it would be difficult to ha- like as an outsider write this game, I think. Like the way that yeah. you are non-judgmental, the way that it doesn't like it's it doesn't feel overtly political, but by its very nature, like you, you know, you get a, a sense of that sort of thing, and like how right. thing like trade and manufacturing has has altered this town over time. Right. Um, but it just feels like as someone that uh, spent most of their their youth uh, swapping between a like like middle class, upper middle class uh, uh, Illinois, predominantly white suburb, and then a like very Rust Belt, very tiny, like you know, hundreds of people uh, Wisconsin town, where like everyone right. goes to the one bar because there only is the one bar. It's yeah. a pretty good bar, though. I like that bar. Um, <laughs> it's like it's a lot of it. Like it's a very mundane game and like a lot of that mundaneness like speaks to me and a lot of what I experienced growing up of just you know like the idea of like what are we going to do today I don't know go to the mall it's a shitty mall it's something to do it's something to do that's that was like a lot of my and they you know this world exists in a uh, post-internet whereas like a lot of uh, my framing for that is like pre-internet or like you know the origins of the internet so some of that was born out of just there weren't other things to When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Do, but I think it, it felt like a very quintessentially Midwest sort of thing where it's just like 
yeah, let's like go down to the rundown mall and just walk around yep. and go to the hat store because I don't know, it's there. <laughs> yeah. So I I was born in a town called Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is like um, a, a former coal mining town. Yeah. It's it's the sister city to Scranton, where the office took place. Great. So like that's where sure. I was born, uh, and is is like that exact sort of rundown Rust Belt place. And then I spent a lot of time in London, Ontario, where I was doing PhD work, which is also a former industrial place that very recently lost all of its jobs. All of its manufacturing jobs. Like it used to build trains, and while I was there, the last train factory shut down. And so, like, it's really, it's like such a different uh, environment for a game to take place in. So, like, on its face, I'm already into it. Um, that, like, oh wow, cool. There, there. Here's a space that you just never see rendered in a game. But that also just to have it be to have it done that well is really cool. Just to see that, like, how do people live here and have uh, fulfilling lives. And then also, in what ways do they feel stuck or do they feel um, limited or do they feel disconnected from the town's own history because things have changed? Like that's That to me has been the thing that I've seen in all of these places that I've been where there is this notion of – this is why like Trump's message hit these places really well is because there is an active memory or a missing memory of what came before. So for some people, they can literally remember being 12-year-olds 12 12 when their parents were working at or around the coal mines or around around the factories. And they have that memory of things being better there then. Um, and I think I, another thing I like about this is just like, oh, yeah, there's all these statues of these people who are supposedly important around town who did something but like they're not my people i don't remember them directly and that stuff is like it just resonates really well with me yeah also there's a cool dungeon crawler in that game yeah there is <laughs> yeah yeah there's like a full like fully fledged like yeah dungeon crawling sort of like action action game that is on the the virtual os which i'm yeah. also like a big fan of this trend from the last five years of virtual yes. os's um that's 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 cool with me but yeah i mean i and also just it's like it's very funny and charming the dialogue is probably I'm hard pressed to like think of a game like Firewatch. I thought also had like some of the best dialogue, most nat. Yes. I guess when I say best, I mean natural sounding. Yes, um, like naturalistic. Like it feels like people talking. It feels like people. T- well, I would draw a distinction. Like Firewatch, uh, and maybe this is also because mm. uh, Night in the Woods uh, doesn't have voice acting. It's it's strictly textual. Yeah. Whereas Firewatch has like Firewatch had probably the most like natural sounding like. You know, uh, dictated like spoken out dialogue I've I had heard in a video game mm-hmm. either in a long time or, or probably ever. Uh, Night in the Woods feels more like it, yes, it is very natural sounding, but it also feels like internet talk. Yes. Um, like it feels like a lot of people talking to each other through IM clients as opposed yes. to how they would necessarily say it uh, if they were actually talking to someone. But it feels very natural reading it. Uh, right. textually yeah. that I think it works in the context yes. of the game, even if that's not how people would actually talk to themselves in real life. It does feel like how we would talk to each other through, like, you know, G-Talk or, or AIM totally. or, or something right. like that. And right. so in that respect, because you're reading it, I, it like it just feels incredibly natural. And if you yeah. go and read Scott Benson's Twitter account, it also just feels like you're reading just, like, a whole you know, a <laughs> totally book of dialogue yeah. written by... Like, he just dumped himself <laughs> into this game. It is just Scott Benson writing a bunch so of characters. Good. But it's, um, so it's, it's, it's... I find I found myself genuinely laughing at this game in a way that I don't usually... And not laughing at, like, setups and punchlines. Just laughing because, like, it's... I, there are... I don't know. I, I, I just found it very charming in a way that has yeah. kept me going, even if sort of the act of playing it where it's like oh it's another day let's go talk to the same people let's jump up on the buildings again like that part uh this game i don't think necessarily benefits from 
marathon sessions. I think this game benefits from checking in on it, playing a day of it, of the in-game cycle, and then coming back. Because I found when I've sat down for like two hours, I feel myself wandering a little bit because the actual act of playing it, there isn't a mm-hmm. whole lot to it. And you start to... I feel like I'm stretching it sometimes when I'm I'm playing it in long sessions as opposed to just, I'm going to check in with this for 45 minutes and then I'll come back yeah, to it tomorrow. makes a lot of sense Totally. To yeah. I love how heartfelt it is. I love how... It's something that I never see in games uh, and very rarely see in fiction, but somebody who has problems, somebody who has emotional issues, somebody has some shit going on, maybe Ooh. with their sexuality or, or that kind of thing, but still has a loving family. Right. That is a thing I so rarely see, and it's something that I like. I almost teared up just even playing it and being like, oh, your, your mom and dad love you. And right. it's really nice to come home to them, even though they don't understand anything you're going through. Right. They still you're love in you. in jokes, and you have uh, yeah. a relationship with them. Um, I was talking to Scott on Twitter also, and had mentioned um, Alex Navarro of Giant Bomb and I were both talking about how much we liked uh, May's mom as a character. And and Scott was like, I notice a very clear generational divide between people who like the parents and people who don't like the parents. (laughs) The older you are, the more likely you are to think those parents are pretty fucking good. Yeah. And like, I believe it. Yeah, I believe that The relationship with your parents changes a lot over like from 20 to 30 something, you know? That's a lot. Uh, So, so yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see how it goes. I know that I, I feel the edge of something about to twist and turn and spiral into something else. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for that to happen. So I'm going to hopefully finish that up by Friday. I mean, maybe check back in on that. Yeah. Um, no, I do no, want to briefly shout out uh, more writing in games. The, this is the thing I just realized I, I, can, I can mention because I noticed writing in it in the first five hours and I can still talk about it. I've snuck Zelda back onto this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the writing in Zelda is really good is all I'll say. Surprisingly good. Surpri- also, like, really endearing and heartfelt and surprisingly natural. The yeah. localization team did an incredible job on that from what I saw in the first five hours, let's say. Not any past Only that. in the first five Only hours. Only in the first five. Thankfully, I got to meet a couple of characters and see how they were written. And I'm only evaluating it on those characters. So who knows? <laughs> By the end of the game, I could hate the writing. But It seems like maybe they've uh, finally... Not that the games haven't had a voice in the past, but it seems like this one maybe has a sharper one or a more defined one. Or they've yes. allowed themselves to be a little more... Well, look, you posted that tweet... About the thirsty uh, bow girl and yep. like, lonely archer girl. Y- yes, like Fire Emblem, like in the past, has been like the one section where like you know Nintendo kind of does gets a little wilder. Uh, it's like after dark Nintendo happens in Fire Emblem, but it's it sounds and you know not just to say that like you know sexual innuendo is like the definition right. of like being creative or, no, or no, no, interesting, no. but it sounds like just generally speaking, you you seem to have noticed that they've allowed themselves to kind of you know, stretch st- stretch their muscles a little bit in this game yes. and give it a more de- sort of defined tone. Yeah, it's one of those things where I am. Re- I would love to, uh, Patrick, I, you should talk to the localizers on this. I'd love to hear what their thought process was at some point. Yeah. There's a pitch meeting now. We're going to go over our stories for the next month and we'll find something really good for you to track down. The 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 thing with it is that it does feel like it has a, a voice and like a, a specific, it feels like someone sat down and said, okay, what is the voice of the author of this story almost like what how should this this shouldn't just be a generic fantasy game and it shouldn't just be the sort of high fantasy default the and thou stuff of kind of other fantasy games including some past zelda games it should really feel like it has and i keep wanting to come back to voice i'm trying to find another analogy for it or another another term uh, it it feels like there are um 
the the characters in the game, everything they say could could be boiled down to a fact, and then they they worked over that fact until it was until it was a little busier, a little more mushy with personal details. Yeah. Um, the it's a game that's really interested in the ways in which the culture of a character influences how they speak, um, and then also the ways in which um, people. <laughs> see the world through their own character's lenses. So that's all I'll say about that for now. And I'm we'll so keep excited. talking about it next week. It's all I want or on Friday we'll talk a lot about it again oh, yeah. probably because it's all I want to talk about. Yeah. That's that's my Zelda update. Very exciting. I think we're gonna turn quickly to the question bucket. We're running a little bit late today, so I'm gonna maybe get one or two questions and then and then we'll call it. Jump until until someone yells at you to get out of the room. <laughs> someone like walks behind us and knocks on these doors and says, Get out. There's put- usually like a double pass. Like somebody yeah. walks by, they looks peek. in they do a little peek. And then, then does this sort of drive by staring. Almost, are you almost yeah. out? Are you guys almost because <laughs> we need it, we booked it. Uh, we're actually getting audio get panels. Out, Austin. You need oh, to get, no. get oh, out. No. No. Well oh, no. funny funny story, Patrick. <laughs> Twice Twice. I like working at Vice. I like being here a lot. I have a good job. I like everyone I work with. Yep. Twice while I was out. <laughs> Twice. Someone confused Tim for me. And I really think Tim... Yes, Tim, Tim, please please show how ridiculous this is. Tim looks like... I, mm, I almost get it. No. You just squint. You ha- no, Maybe I from don't behind. get it. No. Maybe from behind. <laughs> no. We, I have one... I have glasses. Two, our hair is different. Three, there's a lot of differences. You have different eye colors. We do have different eye colors. Like, just, you look totally different. It's... I just, you know... Welcome welcome to America. I lo- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Well, it was extra confusing because there were emails necessary. There was, like, a lot of just, like... I had, like, my out-of-office email on, which is, like, a thing... Because it's like, oh, I'm not here. And then this person saw Tim and was like, you say you're out of office. You're just trying to avoid emails. I'm like, oh, no. It's also reasonable to assume, though, that you would come to the office because you did come to the office while you that's were on true. vacation. So that's let's true. not he let's did. not say that's not Can we just talk about how I hid Zelda and a Switch in unmarked boxes yeah. uh-huh. for you? I didn't touch it. I, I didn't open it. it. I didn't run good. home and, and uh-huh. play it. Just wanted to let that be known I appreciate as well. you. I appreciate you, you, Patrick. I'm going to look at a question. This comes in from Jonathan. I'm just skimming from the top. It's Monday. Skim from the top of the bucket. Jonathan Holland writes us. What's up, Holland? What's up, Holland? Hey, I'd first like to say I'm a huge fan of the site. Uh, and one of the things that most appeals to me is that many of Waypoint's members are people further along in their lives, late 20s slash early 30s folks, who balance real-life concerns with a healthy love for gaming. I'm curious if you've experienced something that I've noticed in the past few years, that game length has become increasingly important and, impossible, uh, and possibly the most important criteria of a uh, game for <laughs> A recent example is something that I've been, had on my backlog for a while, Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii. I finally dived in this October and immediately loved it. The environments, music, combat characters... Everything meshed really well for me. I had recently joined that post your favorite seven games trend that was going around Twitter. And within a few hours, I was thinking I would need to amend that list to include Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm pretty busy both at work and at home. And so it took me a while to get through the game, a long while. By the time I finished the game a week ago, I was mostly glad to be able to put it to rest. But unlike other experiences in the past, I didn't feel, it didn't feel like it had worn out its welcome. On the contrary, as the game got further and further along, I found it even more compelling. 
The ending wasn't a letdown. There was a point where the game, uh, there wasn't a point where the game got bad. The experience never got worse, but I just felt that while I loved it, it didn't, I didn't love it enough for it to have been worth spending three to four months pouring the entirety of my gaming free time into it. Um, this example is just kind of a capstone in my last few years in which my first response when thinking of playing something is to look up, uh, is to look at howlongtobeat.com, which is a website oh, where you can, I, yep, uh-huh. It's what like the only Every bookmark day. I have on my phone. <laughs> I, I'm with you completely. Uh, if that number is too high, it, it immediately loses most, if not all, of my enthusiasm. In contrast, a game that initially sounds all right to me, uh, if I, if I, if I see it's only eight hours, my ears perk up. There are games like XCOM and Endless Legend that I really like, but after years of saying, I'll get back to this, I've kind of accepted that I'm never going to truly play them. I hope to someday enjoy The Witcher 3. I just can't see when that will be. <laughs> uh, possibly yep. because it's so fresh in my mind, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about how this is going to impact my experience playing Breath of the Wild. My question is, have you experienced something similar as you get older? Games where, you exper- where your experience suffers because of their length, not because they feel padded or stretched out or run out of ideas, but just because they're too much game. How do you discuss these games or adequately rate them or accept that you might love this game but you'll never truly get into it thanks jonathan oh. good question my life oh. i know my life <laughs> like it's i think yeah. we're in situations too where it's this combination of like we're getting older and we have other experiences mm-hmm. you have a baby patrick danielle you have a, a, another podcast you have boxing Pets. and other sports i'm, I'm working tea. all the time that there is <laughs> um and and so on top of being older we also like have to like oh this is we have 30 hour game fuck how am i gonna fit that into my schedule it's just thinking it's it's actually painful to yep. think about it's like physically painful because you have serious fomo going on there yeah. often at least i do but also like i have like i know my week i know i'm gonna have five free hours this week like literally that's those are the hours right. in which i can do a thing that is not work or one of my or hobbies another or, hobby or like or a scheduled or, thing right and it's like all right it's that or something better and it co- and it goes into this like spiral of oh i need to maximize this time this time cannot be spent playing something kind of crappy it needs to be spent playing the, the ultimate one true game yeah. that will be the best and most enjoyable thing i can do with that time this is a topic we've talked about a lot on Idle Weekend, actually. It's a shitty <laughs> it's like feeling. It keeps coming um, up. Yeah. To some degree. What about you, Patrick? Are you are you coming to terms with that in any way now that you've had the, the Jessica for a little while? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously our situations are complicated because, like, there's a certain pressure to play games even when uh, I might use that on a that free time elsewhere because that it's I kind of need to play games in order to write about games. Yep. As it turns out, that is yep. part yeah, of the job. Works. Um, but I actually find the thing that has uh, impacted me the most, like especially post having a child, is it, yes, it, as Daniel mentioned, it's that maximization, but it's also it impacts the way I play games. So, for example, like uh, open world, like part of the problem I have with like games that use like an open world conceit um, mm-hmm. is like I prefer games where I can be directed to the next thing, yeah. and games that require or benefit from your own improvisation. Uh, I have trouble with because nobody's got time to improvise. Send me to the next thing, Patrick. And I got so, bad news about Zelda for you. <laughs> oh no! Well, no, it's just it, uh, it. It depends on the game. Some games I can do that, but I do find that the the la- like direction helps because it allows me to like get a sense of like I can go do this thing and then feel like this play session has been relevant productive because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, i've moved forward i am productive um and like i wonder in some ways like my aversion to mafia 3's open world like how much was that mafia 3 how much is that just saying like 
when you just go from point A to point B, the game's just not nearly as interesting as when you stop and kind of fuck with it. And right. I never really stopped to fuck with it because I didn't have time to fuck with right. it. And so, <laughs> yeah. like, I can never quite tell sometimes how much is uh, what I am bringing to it and how I'm playing the game and how much is the failure of the game to you know, either force me to improvise or, or, or be more interesting. Um, yeah. And so that that's what I often find is that I, I rub up against games that like benefit from you being more creative because I'm more interested in just getting there. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, to, to Jonathan's feeling, the thing that I'm trying to get better at is having something in both courts, something like night in the woods, which I hear is between six and 12 hours, depending on how quickly you go through it. I think it'll end up being closer to 12 for me because I'm trying to read everything and see everything. Um, is digestible and and pretty focused. Uh, Resident Evil Seven. I'm also trying to get through, and it's like, oh, I can I can juggle a couple of those and like enjoy my time with them and get through them and move on. And then, uh, you know, Witcher had taken on this thing for me in the background. I was like, I'm just gonna put a couple of hours into it every week, and that'll make me feel like I'm touching it, and like I'll I'll you know kind of uh, mine away at it a little bit. I'll just like slowly like pick away at it, not in the sense that you're picking away something small, but like, like with a pick and just like slowly I'm going to bring this mountain down. That's right. One swing at a time. One and, tiny rock at a time. Um you know, to Jonathan's question about Zelda, like I think that will have to be one of those for you and what I would do if I was in your position is is think about budgeting your time. And the way that like Danielle says she has 5 hours free Give two of those to Zelda and like enjoy those two hours and play some other smaller stuff with the remaining three or, or flip that and, and yeah. feel good about that. And it means that those smaller things are going to take you longer to beat because you're not going to be able to give them the, your whole X amount of free time a week. But like you'll actually get through those maybe one a month and then you can also focus on this other big incredible thing. So Budgeting. It's, it's everything. Adulthood. Every single thing about being an adult. Is yep. Budgeting. Well, so it's, it's, it's why, you know, like when we've praised Witcher 3 in the past, at, and one of the things that I like the most about it is that the way it divides its objectives, it makes it very clear what is the stuff that is right. essentially meaningless and what is the stuff that is meaningful. And so I get very yeah. frustrated in games that try and trick you into saying, saying that it's all meaningful. It's like bullshit game like a lot of this is fluff (laughs) and just tell me what it is and delineate between the two and then we're all going to be happier and so then i i get frustrated with games that aren't specific about what the difference is between the two like i that actually what's frustrating me about mafia 3 was the side missions with the characters who you'd get you know an occasional interesting cutscene, but the actual thing you were doing for them was just driving across a map and it was super boring and repetitive and so it wasn't clear to me like I eventually just asked on Twitter, is this worth the investment? Like, there, If there's something on the other side of this that is fascinating, I'll do it. And the consensus was basically like, nah, you saw the first cutscene, you're good. Like, no. you don't have to do there's, the rest. The thing that sucks is there was some good stuff in there for like one or two of the characters, but right. certainly not each of them. And that's right. how, like, yep, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to be our one question today. I, I do think... It's a good one. I, it's... It's... I... Again, can only talk about my first five hours of Zelda, but I think given that experience, seriously, given that first five hours, it's immediately clear that the scale of that game is massive and that, like, the thing that you're going to have to come to terms with with it is, like, can I enjoy this in bite-sized chunks if that's what I can budget for in my time? Um, And if not, like, I can totally see people who will be turned off by it. And I think that's going to be – there's going to be a lot of people turned off by that game no matter what, and so it's going to be a a real – 
challenge to see if you can fit it into your life or if it's just not going to be the thing. Like, it's 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 a less consumable product than past Zelda games. Only play it on planes. Only play it on Only planes. Only play it on your cross-country flights. I, well, that, I mean, that's, that actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, like, that, you know? the Switch thing, the fact that it is a, a, a thing that you could play, I you know, I it's not breaking embargo to say I played it on the bus ride here today. I climbed a tower today. Um I climbed a tower See, today. See, that's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. I'll put that. I, you know what I need? I need a picture of Link holding like a hang in there cat. Oh, yeah. And it just says, I climbed a tower today in like the <laughs> Zelda font. <laughs> you did it. You that's did nice. it, buddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so you, there are little objectives that you can go and do in that little like 20-minute bite-sized thing. So so maybe being on the Switch will actually fi- give it life that it wouldn't have otherwise for commuters who don't have to drive. Uh, if you yeah. have to drive, don't yeah. play Zelda in the car, please. Fair. If you're the one driving. Fair. Yeah, that's... Or, or no, no. Don't, I'm going you know to categorically say, no, don't do don't, it. Don't Zelda and drive. Well, don't link and drive. Okay. <laughs> this has been Waypoint Radio. You can find us uh, at waypoint.vice.com. You can find anything we post on the internet at Twitch. Nope, at twitter.com slash waypoint. Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker. You can find Danielle at Danielle R.I. That's you can find right. Patrick at Patrick Klepek. Listen to the track. Uh, uh, what's is Miss You is the name of the track off of Pale Machine by Bowen at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Yeah. I think that's going to be it for us. YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice to see all of our stuff. We are going to do a Twitch Switch. Twitch Switch. On Friday, a Switch stream <laughs> on twitch.com slash waypoint where you can see us you do this. Watch and we're going to play that. Switch stuff. We're going to play Zelda. We're going to play Wait, some other stuff. he's still alive. Look. Patrick has sunk he's, beneath. He's still alive. The chair's moving. The chair. Maybe that's a dog. I don't know. Until then, that has been <laughs> us at Waypoint. Patrick is waving. Patrick is waving goodbye. <laughs> waving. Have a good week, everybody. Until the future. <laughs> Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.